Big Daddy Burps a lot. Master P. Well, hey, we just took a quick break. I got my tums. Roman sat and didn't move. Django went and made his onesie a little less full. And I, think I made now- water. So Django, so I went out and got tums. Roman didn't move and Django made water. I made water. So Django made water. And on this show, season two, I love Django's humor. And Big Daddy Peace a lot. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's talk a little bit about... everyone welcome to the fifth episode of the comics place presents season two roman's ruminants episode five legacy numbering 2256 where we read comics think about comics and talk about comics and you sorry yes sorry where we read comics sorry no wait we digest <laughs> comics, we think about digesting comics, and then we talk about the digestion process of those comics, and all the while, you, dear listener, are the fourth tum-tum, the fourth what, tummy. What? Number four? But the uh-oh was that I burped and I registered that I'm now developing a case of the heartburn this evening. So what we need to do is begin this so that I can <laughs> either talk it through or uh, find us a, a spot where you guys are talking and I can run and find Tums. You're... Which... you're... You need four hearts. One I need four hearts. Kind of it's not one. just heartburn. It's a, it's deeply acid reflux. Ladies and gentlemen, uh-huh. we're so, and friends beyond the binary, we're so glad to have you here in the fourth tummy with us, digesting these comics, chewing the cud, as you can only, ruminating as you can only do from the comics place in Bellingham, Washington. I am always, am Jeff. I am stomach. I, I am stomach summers. And you, dear listener, are the fourth stomach. We're going to be talking about a slew of comics today, including Saga number 55, returning from a brief hiatus. We're going to be talking... (laughs) I thought you'd like that. Good one, bro. We're going to talk about the death of Wolverine number one. We're going to talk about Human Target number four. We're going to talk about Batman Catwoman special number one. We're going to talk about Cowboy Bebop number one. We're going to check in with Thor number 21. Roman's going to tell us about the death of Doctor Strange. I think that was issue four. Is that correct, Romeo? Uh, issue five. That's what I said. Five, just like the episode of this podcast. But before we get into that rigmarole, that old hullabaloo, that little bit that you love to bop with. You get your stomachs and your episode numbers mixed up quite a bit, Jeffrey. I question your motives. I, in this I always have. It's a motivation thing. It's a motivation thing. If they confuse the episodes with the stomachs, then I'll never have to be older than four. Wait, is that right? I have no <laughs> questions about his motives. But his motivation, I'm not so sure about. <laughs> but I've got an email from a well, well, Welmer here to tickle our funny bones and make us feel wanted in a way that only he can. Well, well, well. 
who do you all think you are just up and changing a podcast recording day like that? Now I don't even know what episode is it is, is anymore. Is it four? Is it five? Is it 255? It's because the episode only went up today. It's all the above. Anyway, it's Yeah, it is. Anyway, before I get to my question this week, I just wanted to say, holy cow, fourth stomach joke, what an incredible <laughs> stack of comics this week. This morning, I read two incredible Tom King books and a new issue of Saga. What a time to be alive. Anyway, so I was thinking. So I was thinking. Since Django is so well-versed in his kids' shows, what is everyone's favorite comics that are geared towards kids, but you have read as adults and love? Good question. Thanks for all the ruminants and ruminations, Will. P.S. For this new season, I wanted to suggest that Buckshots get renamed Tummy Time. I like that. <laughs> it's done. Shots. It's, it's tummy time. Um, that's a really good point. I I would say, like, just off the top of my head, when Django and I went to Comics Pro three years ago now. Time is a flat circle and sometimes a flat oval, Jeffrey. Yeah, and it, my tummy pressed against a glass surface makes a perfect oval. <laughs> and uh, they gave us all those first... First, uh, advanced. <laughs> it's a perfect oval. <laughs> sorry. Uh, don't let me get in your way. Oh, oval, sorry. Oval oh, my little cud buddy. <laughs> um, but, uh, they gave us those advanced reader copies of like all the DC zoom and DC ink yeah. books. And that was when like Django first read breaking glass. And I first read the cat woman and Raven books. Yeah. Maybe you also read the Catwoman one. Um, anyway, we just like read those on the plane back, and all three of those were really good. And you know, Harley Quinn breaking glass, I guess maybe I even just told Django's answer, but like that was uh great and stood out to him as like one of the best books you've read that year. So those DC Zoom and Ink books come to mind. I also really liked the Catwoman one and really liked the Raven one, and they've continued that line, and I haven't kept up with it. Um, and then I'm gonna go for the easy slam dunk here, Superman clash smashes the clan. Yeah, those the Superman smashes the clan and um, Harley Quinn breaking glass would probably be my top picks. Although, for my money, the very best Indiana Jones comics that have ever come out are the Indiana Jones Adventures from Dark Horse. What a and low I'm, bar! It's, the best Indiana Jones, dude. There, Ugh. there is close to hitting all the notes of one of the movies as you can get. Like, they're they're really special. Um, so I, I would put those really high on my list of, of all ages comics that I've read. Um, Probably because those are the only three all ages comics I've ever read. Sorry, Roman, <laughs> I stepped on your own. No, 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 that's okay. Um, we, can, we can fix that in post. Um, oh, I did it again. Hell we can. <laughs> Man, I could, I could do like an old one, but it's a little too obvious, like Don Rosa's uh, Donald Duck. You suck, oh. bitch. That's For my fourth one. I know. Oh, I, well, I didn't know you were done yet. You did, he, he was done. He just yeah, didn't I thought think he was. about okay. it. And your answer is too good. But I took one of his with my answer, so yeah. you can take one of his with yours. Okay. Well, for some more modern <laughs> ones, though, you know, I've really liked all the Reina Telgemeier Telgemeier books that I've mm. read. You know, Smile and all those. In fact, Smile was probably my favorite one. Nice. Um, and the cool. they're not well. I guess some more graphic novels, but the Hilda books. Oh yeah, oh, those are fantastic and they got me to watch the two seasons and the movie they've done so far obligatory bone reference as <laughs> okay. i was as i was 
you know, pondering my answer, the first ones that came to mind were DC ones. And I was like, oh, is DC kind of like winning this race with Marvel? And I wouldn't necessarily say that they're not, but I would say that the Spider-Man and Venom double trouble and the oh. uh, Thor and Loki double trouble. Both of those books were really good. All ages books that I were read, so wonderfully done and for adults as well. I read some of the Star Wars adventure stuff real early on when they first started putting those out. And those were excellent, too. So that's a that's a platter. That's a smattering for you. I want to now transition us to a conversation that is the opposite of child books. <laughs> I want to get us into the dirty here with Saga 55. I think that we need to put a second obligatory statement out there, and it's an obligatory spoiler warning for this entire podcast. We are going to be spoiling mm. all sorts of things as we talk about these delightful and delicious comic books. But Starting with a two and a half year old comic book named Saga. I think it's been at least three years. Has it? Do you know the month? I don't know. the. I, I should. You know what? While we're doing this, while you guys are talking, I'll look up when issue 54 came out. I had I was six, seven issues behind. I just hadn't finished. Saga is such a machine that runs on, has it been three years? Saga yeah. is such a machine that runs on like spoilers, kind of like giant revolution revelations at the end of episode or issues, crazy cliffhangers, that sort of thing. And when they start getting spoiled for you, it's easy to kind of take the enthusiasm out of the read. And I got a lot of, well, spoilers we talked about on the podcast like three and a half years ago, but when the <laughs> baby dies, like that spoiler, I think kind of just like caused me to be like, okay, all right. Like, I'm just going to, keep up with this like i keep up with the walking dead so i was a chunk of issues behind from this but i decided to just start getting back on board with saga it's saga season everybody brian k vaughn fiona staples good book is it the best book in comics certainly a lot of people think so it's pretty good pretty good i like that we could just kind of jump in and and I don't remember anything about Saga. Well, there's actually the root of a dick in here. I missed that yeah. the first time I read I mean, it. I'll tell you what. I gave my score a score, and then I raised it a half a point for the explicit, gratuitous cunnilingus scene and the full-page breasts. Yeah. You okay. know, I'm a person who loves nudity of any gender, and I am on board for Saga. Although I was like, oh, right, Saga, you guys just do that thing where you, like, put shocking stuff in issues to be shocking. You're like a you're like a more socially acceptable Garth Ennis. <laughs> you're like a Garth Ennis that no one's mad at yet, but Brian K. Vaughn will do something at some point, and then people will feel bad about having Saga shirts. <laughs> I think Garth Ennis. I don't think anybody's mad at him, are they? Yeah. So no, no, but it's only a day he's away. Escaped. Yeah. 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 You're right. Sure, It'll, sure it's probably coming. Sneaky. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe. Maybe not. I mean, who knows? He seems like a sweetheart. Don't listen to me. It's Saga, guys. Start talking about it. It's Saga. It's it's full of new characters because a number of years have passed since the, the last issue. In the in-story years and real-life years, um, we've got the, the family living on a planet and making their money in interesting ways. And uh, new, new dude in the situation. And the tree is <laughs> more than a tree. And there's there's lion cat like it's it's just got everything that you were hoping that saga would have and it's a double-sized issue it i kind of wonder if they couldn't figure out how to bring all of these characters back into your brain and give you a hilarious and sort of ridiculous cliffhanger in half this number of pages but well they okay, certainly I, couldn't cut out the cunnilingus scene the, yeah that or like there's 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 no fat on this book like everything does a good job of of building the world and 
enhancing the characters, I think. It's just nice to be hanging out with these people again. Roman, where were you with Sogon before? You feeling happy? What's going on with you? I'm very happy with it, though, you know, I, I didn't actually read it. Um, what? <laughs> I'm still, wah, wah, wah. I what? <laughs> I led with that because I thought there's no <laughs> chance in hell that that was anything other than everyone's first comic they read this week. No, and I didn't read it because I still, you know, I've never managed to get Saga into into my cud to chew it up and ruminate on it. I've You've never only, read Saga? I've only read like the first two issues of Saga ever. <laughs> Holy shit. We just like everyone just went. <laughs> yeah, just everyone you know, just got deflated. I knew wow. it was I knew it was coming back and a few months ago I was like, "Oh, I should try and read all the saga volumes before the new one comes out and it just didn't happen." Would you jump in here and tell us what you think? We'll wait. Uh, okay, let me run down to the store and grab a copy. <laughs> so yeah, bring back your Thor also while you <laughs> I've got my Thor. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um Okay, well, hey, you're an incredible comic aficionado and you're no less for not having I read give, saga. I give it a 9. You gave it a 9? <laughs> sure. Oh, wait, no, I mean, I'll give it a 10. That's yeah, you give it a 10. It a just... Okay, well, Django, I guess this is just between you and I. I was wondering why he was conspicuously silent. Um, yeah, uh, it does a good job of making you feel pretty connected, I think, to the story that existed three years ago and also functioning pretty well as a jumping on point, as indicative, and indicative as my ability to enjoy it is indicative of. I think that Brian K. Vaughan is no slouch as a writer, and I think he probably knew that, and he needed to have this be equal parts jumping on point and equal parts continuation of a story. So mm -hmm. I think that, you know, he is obviously an incredible writer, and I, you know, I'm not at all surprised. But the voices of the characters all still seemed really great. You know, I do, you know, part of me is a little like, all right, yeah, you're shocking, we get it. Uh, but it's a it's an amazing story we got to see lion cat we get to hang out with marco's skull which is a bummer um well like how much of it is shocking and how much of it is like i don't really care if this freaks some people out oh you know, i certainly like, don't care i certainly i mean it doesn't it doesn't no, no, shock me, me. brian k vaughn like i don't care if somebody's not gonna like this it's it's kind of fun and cool and and something that you don't see in comics does that make yeah, sense it does i think he's always kind of gotten off a little bit on being a little edgy and shocking he's like a way more appropriate and approval mark millar as well like he's just yeah. like he's like a watered down mark millar but a way better writer uh like watered down like a little diluted he dilutes that just like like you, you know put, you put ice in a nice whiskey you know like you know mark millar is sitting there in his room like oh yeah they're gonna be shocked when they turn this page oh my god they're not even gonna oh my god i'm gonna get in trouble but they won't get me in trouble because i protected my freedom of speech oh and like you know brian Kavon, scottish but brian k vaughn is like not quite that bad but you know he's sort of like oh i don't need to do this but boy howdy are those prudes gonna get uncomfortable when they turn the page here that, you know, it's, and I think it's fun. I would do that same thing with whatever medium of art I would choose to endeavor in, except for I don't. I just sit here and, you know, what real artists don't art, they just sit and talk about it. So that's me. So I can't even do that uh, in a shocking way. But, you know, I did say cunnilingus like three or four times so far. So, like, I'm kind of doing my own version of it. I, I really like just sitting here listening to you, like, imitate different combo creators. This is awesome. Yeah, it's a new, new podcast. 
Um, Django is showing a picture of the will up to Roman, and it looks like there's some drool over his mouth, except for, wait, you know that he was just performing cunnilingus, so that's not drool. That's, that's... I just wanted to hear you pronounce it again. I, I like it. I like the <laughs> oh, way it's too. said. Cunnil- yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm, that is not a criticism of, of your... Uh, pronunciation. Pronunciation. I gave it a nine. I'm so happy it's back. I would have given it an 8.5 if there was no nudity in it. But if you can give me nudity, it doesn't feel like I'm being exploited by taking it in, but also enjoying it. I'm going to say, well done. You get an extra half point. I'm going to give it a nine and I'm going to remove half a point for the three year delay. For the Uh, what delay? The nudity is great. The three year delay. Like that was too long, guys. That was too long. So and, what you're doing is not grading the po- comic book. You're create. You're grading the three years that it took to come comics out. Comics are life, Jeffrey. The whole comics thing are life. Wrapped up. Comics are life. Comics are life. I what, agree. Ted Lasso. You, you do a Ted Lasso podcast too, don't you? Is that like a shameless that, plug for it? That was a Ted Lasso plug. Uh, you said comics right. are life. The Ted Lasso. So. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Yeah, I do that Synergy. with my really good friend Synergy. Will, who and Colette. Colette's a regular cast member now. So it's Colette, Will, and I, and we do it. And you know Colette, and you know Will from the Wilmer section. All right, well, let's go to a comic book that everyone did read. I'm sorry, Roman. I also don't mean to shame you for that. I just, I oh, now I'm, that you mentioned that, I I'm remember that from our years of reading, yeah. like talking yeah. about it. You you haven't read Saga, but... Oh, no, no apology. I'm not shamed at all. Roman has oh. not met shame. He's also never felt shame. He's, he's... I have not. His touch has never met shame's physique. <laughs> <laughs> the shell yeah. of shame yeah at the end of that movie when the little kid's running after him is yelling shame shame come back shame i'm like why do you want him to come back that's game of thrones and it's actually <laughs> the actress that plays rebecca from ted lasso yelling shame what shame. oh my god it is <laughs> okay take me away dear boy take me away where are we headed which boy are you talking to i got two gorgeous <laughs> boys either one that answers there's no wrong answer anyone that starts speaking is correct uh i forgot what book we're doing x deaths of wolverine oh oh is that actually next i thought it was human target listen (laughs) maybe we need a fifth stomach to kind of keep this shit together well there's some fine boys i'll hang out and just be the fifth tum-tum i'll just be here the arbiter of organization and make sure that this fifth tum-tum digests everything so you're not giving any water stools bury the final colon bury the final tum-tum another perfect oval um oval (laughs) Let's talk about the X deaths of Wolverine. That's I'm really, great. I'm really looking forward to Monkey Prince. I know, me too. Gene Lu and Yang. X deaths of Wolverine. Benjamin Percy, boys. Frederico Vincentini, Dijo Lima, Frank Martin. Django, what you liked X Lives of Wolverine. What'd you think of this? I thought this was pretty good too. Um, most of it seems to be a story about Moira, which makes these goddamn titles make a little more sense. Um, in fact, we barely get any Wolverine in here at all um it's moira with a robot arm escaping from um maleficent what's her name uh mystique it it picks up literally (laughs) just after the scene that uh we see her in in uh inferno number four okay i was wondering about yeah yeah right right right, yeah (laughs) so so right in that scene there is basically moira escapes the clutches of the mutants and mystique and she's been shot with a gun that turns her into a human so if she dies she no longer will reincarnate which means this reality will stay intact and she's escaping mystique and destiny because she was only saved by cypher and that's why warlock is on her arm because her arm had been cut off by mystique because that's where the tracking had been placed in her arm to make charles and mystique think that she was or sorry charles and magneto think that she was with 
uh, Omega Sentinel and Nimrod, where they then ultimately died and then couldn't be backed up and got reincarnated without the memory of all of them. Okay, so all you need to know to read this comic is that. Yep. Okay. But you didn't it. know that and you enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, I actually did. It's it's a good little, uh, like a almost like a chase movie where she's just running away from Mystique over and over. Um, Valkyrie shows up, which is pretty rad. I like the... Uh, I like the the mysterious Wolverine bits are pretty interesting. I, it made me very curious about what was going on with Wolverine and his uh, cipher. Well, cipher. Warlock, but Warlock. it's connected to cipher, yeah. Um, Warlock claws and head and stuff. Um, and I'm a sucker for the scene where somebody cuts their hair and dyes it in a bathroom. Like every time, <laughs> I probably like whatever media that is. As soon as you were describing it, I was like, "Yeah, you're right. This is like a cooler born identity." Yeah. I was I was yeah. thinking um, uh, Crank, right? But, yeah, but less ridiculous. Did you know that Maynard was in Crank? Was he in Crank or was he in Crank Two? Crank high Two voltage? High Voltage. Yeah. yeah that's what Ooh. Did you say Maynard? Yeah, Ooh. it's just an ongoing Maynard Skinner. Oh, okay, I was wondering about that scene with where she dyes her hair and cuts her hair and dyes her hair in the bathroom, and what I was wondering is. Can you do that in the bathroom, like when you're on the run, and, and have it look that good? <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, sure. I thought hair dye took hours, and and she's like, in a couple panels, she's like perfect blonde hair. The bleach, if you're bleaching your hair, it can be a lot quicker. I'll just come home, and Sam will yeah. just bleached her hair, and it's like a 15, 20 minute thing that you can have oh. it bleached. Then the wow. hair dye on top of the bleach would take another thing, but she could conceivably just be bleaching it here and then chopping it off. My question is, my phone can tell if I don't. Whether I have sideburns or not, it knows who I am when I look at it. Mm -hmm. Who's she fooling? You're right. You're right. I uh, thought this was a really good comic. Even I thought it was I'm taking the piss out of you. What I would sorry, Roman. Yeah, please. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like it quite as much as the previous Lives of Wolverine, but yeah. I did like this because right away we're in pouring down rain scotland hills of scotland and on the run and i particularly like like chase on the run things that are set in scotland in the highlands chase on though i did the though run. i did have the very first thing i was like well wait i thought she got hit with the gun that made her not a mutant so how did she go through a gate they said this is your last jo chance to go through a gate he's holding this open oh, for you right now and it's the last okay. chance you get to use a gate yeah yeah because i thought humans couldn't go through the gates yeah um, and I'm really curious too about this. I mean, I have no clue about this mysterious Wolverine figure here at the end that has like the the warlock type markings and everything on him. Or are they cyber markings? I don't know. Yeah, well, you're he, right. I feel like it looks like warlock to me, but yeah. He seems to be indicating that he was never there. So like in the other issue, it, it felt like they were sending Wolverine's consciousness back in time or Wolverine back in time to do something important. Mm -hmm. And in this one, he's, he's like, I'm no one. I was never here. So I, I kind of wonder if there's not a glitch that sends him to the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, or like a future him coming back to this moment, but not supposed to be interfering with time or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. I, after, so I preferred X lives of Wolverine as well. Roman, mm -hmm. uh, you know, hard to beat that last issue with the art that was so gorgeous as it was. Like this mm -hmm. art is a marked step down to me and I don't think it's bad, but it's just very quick and it's 
kind of a marriage of Western styles and manga styles. And I, I don't usually love that, even though I love manga, but it's very, there's a lot of motion. It's kind of Humberto Ramos at times. Um, yeah. There's panels where I had to look, really look at it to try to figure out what was happening. Yeah, exactly. So I prefer the Kubert stuff to this, but I do think the story is pretty good. And I had been really looking forward to a story about Moira and didn't think that it was going to end up happening. And I certainly didn't yeah. think it was going to happen in this book. So I'm, I really dug that part of it. And I'm excited to see what the story is just bouncing between these two narratives. I'm glad that it's not solely focused around Wolverine. Uh, oh, my perfect oval. I'm going to give this <laughs> a seven and a half. I, I really did like the art in the other one better, but I thought that this art was actually great. I, I really, I really thought that the art in this was solid. Yeah, and I prefer I the, the difference. Like in those X-Men books, it was like, oh, here's this artist. And then here's this other artist. And they're they're not the same person, honest. Yeah, you're right. But they did have a real stylistic overlap. Yeah, and th this is different enough and, and skilled enough that I liked it. Roman, I feel like you had just indicated your score as well. Oh, I'll, I will also give it a seven and a half. I'm going to give it an 8.5 because I really liked the breadth of the Marvel Universe that it stretched outside of the idea of exploring just Wolverine's timeline. So we saw Vi Valkyrie, we saw a bunch of Moira stuff, we saw some other timelines. Liked all of that. 8.5. Now um, the human target, my little dilly beans. Gosh, I'm cold. Oh, bud, you got a bathrobe on. Do you need my I, pineapple bathrobe? I do, I do. It's just cold. It's just cold in my apartment. The mm -hmm. fog is setting in. I don't like that look you're giving me, and that doesn't translate to radio at all. This little bit of comedy <laughs> is... Uh... Brought to you by Jeff Figley's Finger <laughs> Off the Pulse. <laughs> Human target. Um, listen, here's ever here's the segue for everybody. I have spent a lot of time around Django Arborin, and in that time, I've heard him talk about a lot of things and be excited about a lot of things, but I have never heard him openly talk about having a crush on a comic book character as many times and as earnestly as I heard him talk about him having a crush on Ice when we worked together on Wednesday's day. So, wrong. I totally get it. And it makes sense to me that your type is the femme fatale because, you know, she's just putting on a show this whole time. But it also so perfectly captured that feeling of like high school romance. Like yeah. there's this weird sense of just like, I'm not deserving to have this beautiful woman resting her head on my shoulder. And there's these several, there's at least two pages in here that are divided into four wide horizontal panels and all of them are just mostly nonverbal, and it's just the slow progression of a change in facial expression and i would say that the reason this book is going to get a very high score from me this week is because not the writing but the art does so much perfect facial expression storytelling like some of i think the best i've seen in a very long time i think this is we've written really openly a fan of Greg Smallwood for several years now, like three years ago, at least he was doing the Lemire Moon Knight book. And we were very into that, but this is like, I want to say a coming out party or something, everyone in the world. I'm glad that he'll get this hardcover to be able to get his name out there. Yeah. This, this art is amazing. And the, the character work in here is amazing. And just the, I think the thing that, that really got me about ice is not, uh, I guess a couple things like she's drawn just gorgeous in here. And also she's being super flirty with him. And there's no way she's not a bad guy in this book. There's just no chance that she's not, you know, 
bamboozling this guy and and making him have a hard time solving the, the mystery of his own murder um and also i just love hanging out with booster gold and beetle like this is this is beetle's side of the beetle and gold story and his motor mouth way of dealing with knowing that chance is on to him or booster i thought was really interesting i don't know there's just there's just a lot of really good relationship work in here can I ask you two comic scholars a question? Long, well-versed DC historians, two people I love, JLI aficionados. Hmm. Is this what Blue Beetle sounds like? I don't think I really know Blue Beetle outside of cameos and like Heroes in Crisis and occasional small, but this is the most time I've certainly ever spent with Blue Beetle. But I found him to be a little bit unlikable. And I didn't think that Blue and Gold were unlikable. And so I'm curious, whatever, do I just, am I just a weird person that found this unlikable? No, this is, this is a different characterization of him. And also, I don't know that we've ever seen him not with Beetle in the context of the JLI or not with Booster in the context mm -hmm. of the JLI. Like he's being super protective of Booster Gold, but he's doing it in kind of a clumsy way, right? Yeah, he's just a little, um, you know, compensating for something. It seems like he's misleading people. I don't super trust him. It seems like he's a good, but not super altruistically good, like good because it seems like that's what he's been understood is the version of what good is. I think it's probably important to remember that Ice was nothing but the best person in the JLI also and she's clearly not in this case and this is black label so it's a totally different thing and also tom yeah. king's like heroes in crisis i think booster is kind of written not super booster i think he has a tendency to write booster in a kind of different way roman what was yeah. ice in and in jli um she was a good person is that what jango was just saying yeah yeah she was a good person i mean she they never really got into her character much i mean she was kind of <sighs> She was kind of mostly just Fire's best friend. And they never, I don't think, I don't remember they're ever giving her much character depth in that series. It was mostly through Guy Gardner, right? So she was super shy. She had this yeah. shitty boyfriend. She was super kind and nice and quiet. Yeah, she was sweet. And always telling Fire not to do the medium to majorly shitty thing that Fire was ready to do to somebody at the drop of a hat. Yeah. Yeah, and it is interesting that Beetle is in this. He is uh, he's he's more businesslike and yeah, less trustworthy than we've seen him before. Because because you know before maybe it was concurrent with JLI, but he had his own series after Crisis and I think before JLI where it was just him solo. Mm -hmm. But he was still kind of a goofball kind of like an older version of spider-man in some ways an older klutzier version of spider-man but a genius i th i think in this version of the character what i kind of got out of it is that he's got to kind of measure up to bruce wayne because he's a rich mm. guy mm. in a costume mm. with a big business super smart and um so like I, I got the feeling that he's kind of overcompensating in some ways and also scared for his friends and maybe yeah. part of a conspiracy that was after 
Lex Luthor. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Because we do find out in this that something about him giving money to Martian that got to Booster, which is probably what like then kind of implies that Booster did try to use money to possibly take out Lex. Maybe he gave Booster money to open his his restaurant. Oh well he gave Martian he money. Gave to, Martian, Martian Manhunter yeah. money oh, to okay, give so Booster money okay. to open his restaurant. I forgot there was a restaurant thing. But there's a there seemed to be a connection between Booster and the and the crime. I don't know. I I I kind of hope that it turns into sort of a uh, murder on the Orient Express kind of story where it's I, the whole JLI did that's this. exactly what I thought was yeah. going on. Spoilers, spo- spoilers for Perot and the murder on the <laughs> Orient Express. But uh, yeah, the idea that the whole crew, I, I Django, that's exactly what I thought. This is what if everybody individually killed him and it all came to fruition at the same time. The title page to this mm-hmm. great stage of fools is one of the most beautiful, like single splash page title pages I've seen in quite a while. Again, I can't stress how beautiful the art is and all the horizontal transitions is sort of watching people's faces tell the story rather than the words, although there's a lot of words. And what I think I like so much about this is that there's all these noir scholars and pulp squalors, squalors. Well, like uh, a noir scholar and then a Roman squalor. Uh, anyway, noir and pulp. I'm neither of those things. And I like that on the one hand, you're like, oh man. I know about pulp stuff and I know that she's like a femme fatale and she's probably the problem. But on the other hand, it's also feels like it's kind of being presented for a generation that maybe doesn't know that stuff or like, I'm still like, mm-hmm. it's like postmodern noirism or something like it's, yeah. it's pulp postmodern pulp Roman. Let's coin that term. Let's talk about that. Let's create <laughs> that genre. Pulp. I do love that, that title page too. Cause, and it kind of, and it made me chuckle too. Cause it's very much a Marvel so right thought of that, the baxter building with the fucking fantastic four yeah but the fonts and everything yeah. is totally marvel but not dc dc didn't do that um, yeah you're right i thought that was pretty pretty cute and yeah that final page of the issue is like geez i don't want i don't want her to be a femme fatale because i still have this you know ice from the jail jli quiet and sweet and everything and but yeah that last page is a perfect femme fatale oh okay that you're all doomed <laughs> <laughs> yeah they he, he's he doesn't have a chance yeah no pun intended <laughs> ah, i love it i love it i love it he's finally likable she's incredibly likable and it does a great job like i think because he's in over her his head and she's clearly more than she seems like there is this weird feeling of like the first time you're in high school holding a girl's hand in a car on your way to walmart or something like just the way that that the fingers lace each other in that one moment just immediately took me back to that moment of just like, I'm not worthy of this. Like, they just, they convey that feeling in this issue through art an inc- incredible job of it. If Brian K. Vaughn had done it, we would have seen a dick. <laughs> I know. Or at least a boob or two. Yeah. Maybe three boobs. Trace. The Ocho. You give it an eight? No, I give it a 9.5. I give it a 10.0. Nice. I give it an eight. An eight. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Because of the Marvel mix-up with the splash page? No, I like that. Hey, guys. 9.5 for me, for sure. All, nearly perfect. Um, let's talk a little bit about Cowboy Bebop number one, the ill-fated Netflix experiment, perfectly solicited right as the show, solicited right as the show came out, and 
canceled a month before the book came out and they did the very wise thing <laughs> of making the artistic basis for the show and not the, one of the most popular animes of all time that doesn't really have a long running manga or comic series based on it. Written by Dan Waters, who we like a lot, with art by Lamar Mathurin, who I didn't know, but I do think is pretty good at what he does. And you bet that, for the most part, the first words in this are, I think it's about time to blow this thing, get everybody in their stuff together. All right, three, two, one, let's jam. <laughs> so good. Love Cowboy Bebop. One of the best animes of all time. Uh, what do you think, Django? What did you think of the show? Okay, I mean, there's, there's a lot here. There's a lot. Right? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm the kind of guy who doesn't really like cartoons all that much. Yep. It takes a lot to get me to watch a cartoon, and yep. this was one that you tried to get me to watch for a long time, and I finally did. I watched two or three or four episodes and didn't. It it just didn't hook me, so I never continued. Um. And then the Netflix show came out, and I know this is maybe a, a hot take or an unpopular opinion. Is that what the is there something else know. the kids call it? No, uh, I don't. You gotta you gotta do a Twitter. Am poll I for sus? That. You're always sus. Okay, you've been sus since the day you was born, Spud. Sus I, and uh, Spud. <laughs> I'm a Spud sus. I really really like the show on Netflix, and uh, I was I. I I loved every episode. I thought that that it kind of filled the hole that um, Firefly left in my life, mm, and yeah, yeah. did it in a way that didn't didn't make me feel bad for really liking a thing that kind of a creep uh, created. Firefly, um, yeah, just just like it didn't have the Joss baggage to go yeah. along with it, and so of course I picked up this comic, and I really like the art style. I, I did too. The story was pretty freaking solid. Yeah, a, a little bit, a little bit convoluted, and I know that the show kind of followed the cartoon, right? Yeah, the show did a weird job of following the cartoon, but it 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 was for the most part. And I didn't watch all of the Netflix show, which is why it was canceled. Because I think a lot of people that liked the anime slowed their role when they realized it was a retelling of the thing that they'd already seen. Mm -hmm. So it was a weird, that was, I think, a very, I think if that show has a downfall, that is the downfall. I think that they, from a storytelling standpoint, it was probably a mistake to retread for a franchise that was that popular. But I think it did well to turn people onto it that hadn't seen the, the anime, because I think the anime has okay. such a strong foundation. But there's definitely storytelling liberties that the television show took, for sure. So what about this comic? Because this comic is clearly a follow-up to the show um is or or an interquel or something is yeah. this something from the cartoon uh time frame wise um they get the dog in episode two and then they get ed the girl in like episode five or six or something and then those two characters eventually leave together so there's not a real super so like this, you know, theoretically, this would have taken place between episodes two and five, you know, because the dog is here and Ayn is not, or sorry, and Ed is not here. I guess we don't, I, I have fine tooth comb. quite finished the show either, but, but so uh, I, don't know, I don't know if this fits in with the show. I, I think that the thing is that with Cowboy Bebop, that entire anime for the most part is told 
just episodically there's there's mm-hmm. kind of a kind of like the x-files there's kind of an overarching spine of a story in the background but pretty much every episode takes place in any order and there's like two maybe two part episodes um so you you know it, it almost doesn't matter you can get in there right. anywhere and i think this does a really good job of for the most part capturing the feel i think the art you know i think it's really weird to have art based on a live action property based on an anime because mm-hmm. like it seems like maybe base the art style on the anime, which would be a much more easy comparison to make, I would think. But right. they're doing a live action ad- adaptation. But I think the tone for the most part is pretty there. And I think they do a pretty good job of boiling down the root of some of the ideas of these characters uh, within here. Like we like Dan Waters. He's been doing a fair amount of things lately. And, um, yeah, you know, I, I, I think I think I it's like good. I, I think it's good. I really like the uh, the idea of this guy's uh, device, which just gives him the best luck when he's doing a thing. So he's not afraid to jump out of a three-story window because he knows that if there's any possible chance that luck could save him, it will. And, it's like the uh, domino effect. Yeah, yeah, and I. But but it's a device rather than a just a power. mutant ability, which right. which interests me a little bit more. I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I thought that they they. The one the one thing that I did have a hard time with was dogs are really rare in this world, right? No, the reason that that dog is really really rare is because it's a data dog. It's been a it's a cybernetically bioengineered dog that is essentially a supercomputer. So oh. it's like a brilliant. It's not just so the reason that there's all this hub hullabaloo about that dog and trying to get that dog in the show and everything is because it's this crazy. It's called a data dog. Hmm. That might be um, different in the live action one. I think that that animals were kind of rare. Okay. And he ended up with this dog uh, after rescuing it from a, from a shitty situation. Yeah, I thought um, it followed the cartoon show pretty closely, but yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm I watched the dog episode ass. of the live action. It, it the, yeah, the live action show kind of made me just want to watch the anime, and this one also kind of just made me want to watch the anime. But I think that it also stands on its own a little bit better than the live action show, but only because mm-hmm. it's not solely based on a story told in the anime, if that makes like, it actually is telling a unique story. The Cowboy Bebop, the anime is very cool. I thought this comic was, was very solid. I wasn't sure I was going to like it when I opened it and saw like page one, it's got the, the TV show characters in photos and also page two and all over the end. Yeah. Like that turns me off more than any marketing expert that Titan could hire will ever be able to comprehend. But totally I still right. thought it was a pretty awesome book. So what was your score for it? Seven. Yeah. Solid seven. I gave it a 7.5. I, th- I think as far as a comic book goes, it's good. I don't know. It's hard for me to talk about it in a vacuum because, you know, I've seen the show and the anime and... I don't know. So much of what's great about Kobe Bebop, I think, is the the world building that goes on in the background of that show. Just and like the what music. You, well, duh. Yeah, you're right. And they do a good job of, I think, kind of putting the music in this. But if anyone ever wants to come in and talk to me about Cowboy Bebop, I'd love to. Also, seems like the only way to probably actually realistically hang out with Django and I, if for some reason that's what you're trying to do, which means you're a fool, um, is to schedule to be a part of one of these uh presentations that we've been doing to show <laughs> a bunch of people this operating point of sale inventory system that we've been building for 
the better part of nine months now. And we did a three hour one of those. T- well, we did two hours of that in an hour prep today. But Django, you and I have spent some time on a computer together today in Zoom Windows. We have 11 and a half months is when I started it. Really? Mid, mid-March last year. And I want to be I want to be clear. It is Django doing the bulk of the work there. Um, well, yeah, I, I've been working on it for that. But as soon as I unleashed it on anybody else, it became us doing the work on it. Yeah. And we had some we had some sweaty conversations in the early stages together. Oh, yeah. Um, A lot of sweaty conversations between us. Not a lot of shirtless ice cream conversations. That was a different podcast. But, um, you know, (laughs) Roman, did you somehow get your greasy little badger paws and your badger loaf on a copy of Batman Catwoman special to read? This is one that is apparently being immediately kind of sought after. And coincidentally, we were sent not our full order quantities of it. So for us to read it, we had to get our greasy little badger loaf paws on (laughs) customer copies of it. Um, So I don't have a copy in front of me. I don't know who does. Roman, I'm curious. Uh, Did you read this? Did you like it? What did you think? I I did read it. I don't have a copy in front of me either, but but it's burned into my memory. Me too. Yes. I see that Django actually does have a copy in front of him because he's a greedy, greedy pig boy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did you read it i did can i set a scene for you guys please do it's this morning i woke up late it's about 10 37 that's been happening a lot lately and i'm taking a shit oh it's a poo town i've got a squatty potty yep normally if i'm gonna read a comic and utilize my squatty potty before i bidet it's gonna be a pretty short comic but this was on the top of the stack and i read yeah. it Mm-hmm. and assumed that I would stop before the end and brush my teeth and then finish it. But I read the whole thing and on the potty, on the potty, did you, on the pot, on the did you, potty. did you send the dirt away or did you sit there stewing in the dirt while you read it? And then when you finished and got up, you sent it away. Listen, we don't need to gross people out. Or oh, you but... let the dirt, you let the dirt <laughs> float. You let the you made dirt and you let it float. I got a powerful fan. Let's just say that, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it... Well, you have to, otherwise, because you can't sit there and flush. You get the backs backs the, you get the suction, fecal man. spray. It feels like it's gonna yeah. pull your nuts Dude, right the out fecal of spray is you would rather sit there nine inches above a duke for fifteen minutes than let a little bit well, of fecal yeah. spray that is going sucking yeah. down the toilet. It's taking it. It's a vacuum. It's taking it down. It is not fecal spraying you. The only way I can have fun in an airplane, Roman, is to flush while I'm sitting. Oh, that's a good one. Wow, wow. Where did your did your did your leg go to sleep this morning? My leg, my leg fell asleep. That's what I, I hate. Because yeah, change. yeah, resting on your knees. Now, yeah, read, reading if there. You, will, and you get you up and you kind of stumble scene. around. You, you guys use... both keep talking at the same time. Which what is it going to be? <laughs> you have to use the sink to steady yourself so you don't fall down. With your pants around your ankles and they find you that way. It'd be awful. What's the noise you make while you wait for your legs to wake up? Uh, yeah, I used to kind of try to force it to wake up, will it to wake up. Come on, wake up, come on. You say, no, no, no. So all of no. this has been setting a scene. Did you like your comic book, big guy? Dude, that scene was set so well because before I stood up and found out that my legs were asleep, I was racked with sobs on the toilet above my poo. <laughs> Did you make sobs? I was, cr- I, was, I was crying so hard on the toilet that I thought that my butthole was going to invert. Now you oh know gosh. why I didn't like 
I don't. So Django walked into the comic shop on Wednesday morning. I was sitting there in my coat in the dark on a chair under a single illuminated light reading this comic because I did, came in, did some work that needed to get done. And then I was like, but we haven't had, I have gotten to read this comic. But I have to read this. Uh, he came in halfway through. I just can't read while other people are around. I just can't do it. I just, my brain can't do it. I'm in social mode. If there's a person is around me, I can't make solitude. Like I can't make dirt. And and somehow I did finish that comic while Django was around. And like, but I don't know. It didn't make me sob, but I didn't necessarily even feel super inclined to sob. I, I think you would, you know, like I just had joyous giggles. It just gave me joyous, like it gave me joyous laughter, like really beautiful giggles. That just tells me that you haven't realized that you're getting older and you're going to die. Oh, in the same way that I have. Wait a minute. Like, These birthdays. Wait, these yeah. birthdays aren't just like a big party. This no, is like yeah, a really no, no. Yeah. loud funeral march. It's like you're on a yep. train hurtling towards death. Oh, no. Yep. And, it, and Yep, and it just keeps on picking up speed. Oh, no. You can be really cool until the end, but when you go in that alley, it's over, buddy. <laughs> this... Roman, did you cry or giggle in this issue? I didn't cry, but I definitely felt... And with in general, with this Batman Catwoman series, in general, feel like God damn it, I got a birthday coming up. God, here it comes, <laughs> closer and closer to death. It it started with the Riddler thing. Oh, that was one of the scenes where I laughed. I, I, that was when I was like, "You need to read it." Like that was the moment <laughs> where I just like, you were to my left, and I made this sound, and I said something the effect of like, "Are you going to read this before we open?" And you were like, "No, we got too much shit to do," and I was like. It's worth it, man. <laughs> worth it. That that scene like set set me up to be super bummed, and then by like three pages later or four pages later, Bruce looking a little bit like my dad dying of cancer, yep. but a little bit older. Like mm. that sucked. And then... and just his memory, you know, like let's just both get into our father issues. Just with every time we see him, his mental faculties not quite working. Like, because we know from Batman Annual One or Two that, like, ultimately he dies of dementia. Like, he's confused at the end. Like, yeah, feeling that progression throughout this issue was also really hard. Yeah, and and just how cool and and together selena is through the whole thing like she holds it together so well and she has a good end and every page of this is set on christmas and fuck you tom king well it's i was so reading yeah, yeah well god yeah. Her, her ending i i hated that the final panel i was like what oh, come on well jeez her beginning <laughs> in this like we get kind yeah. of the whole thing is told sort of like with a rapid time jump a couple pages basically just going through catwoman's life starting with her as a fetus and a like a baby in a dumpster christmas by christmas and yeah. it's incredible and all along the way we have a scene where helena the daughter who we know ultimately becomes batman batwoman in this series because we've seen her doing it but uh, she becomes Robin for a couple of scenes beforehand. So it's the first scene of a new Robin in this continuity. And then they become Batman. But yeah, the the progression of Selena throughout all of it, you're right. Like uh, she just keeps it together in the most sophisticated, hardened, loving way. I, mm -hmm. 
you know, it's been years now that he has been doing this story of old man Bruce and old man Selena, like just eking it out in small bits. And the fact that that storyline and the continuity of that has stayed throughout all of it is really Mm -hmm. impressive. One of my favorite moments in that issue was uh, one of the moments when when she gets mad at Bruce. And it's just one of the moments when she's not able to keep being as or in a way is still as strong when she yells at him for being, oh, yeah, poor you that grew up in this mansion surrounded by riches and your butler who loved you. And because she had none of that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just a great moment. Roman and I are doing all of this without having the book in front of him and us and Django is just sort of flaunting it like a rich boy. <laughs> Dude, here's, here's the other thing I read to the end of that story. That's, that's maybe that's less than half of this book. And there is an <laughs> afterward. I didn't read. There's a story at the very uh, end. There's a bunch of, there's, there's a two page write up, And it, so this is illustrated for the most part by John Paul Leon, who died this year or last year. And this was the last book that he was working on. And so a lot of this is kind of in honor of him. There's also a Batman black and white story in there. There's a ton of pinups that that honor him. There's a question story in here that he illustrated. It's, and, and honestly, I haven't read any of that back matter. I just made it to the end of that Selena thing. I was like, well, that's a way to start a day. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think I think you could probably do a trade paperback that has I'll bet that there's like two or three issues of the Batman series plus the two rooftop issues. Yeah. Plus that annual plus this would the give wedding. you like uh, the wedding maybe would give you like the most perfect snapshot of a relationship from start to finish. Yeah. Like the relationship that everybody thinks that their relationship is. It's damn good, folks. I gave it a perfect 10. I was reading it, and I do not often get this feeling, but I thought, I need to have a copy of this issue. I need to have this for my... I need to have this. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, wait, it's going to be in the hardcover. So I'll just have that. No. Take it until yeah. the hardcover comes out. We don't know what we form We didn't gonna get take, enough buddy. to even get them all to our subscribers. Oh, even yeah. all of our <laughs> subscribers didn't get they're them. Coming. So they're yeah, coming. They're, they're, they're coming, yeah. That that Batman Black and White story, by the way, in the back of the issue is a great story. That was actually almost on par with the main story for me. Really? Walt Simonson yeah. and John Paul Leon? Yeah. Yeah. Who um, wrote the very last one? The question story? I don't remember. Oh, it's art by Jog Bogdanov and Sion Mandrake. Oh, and then around V and John Paul Leon mm. question story. It looks like that was a good that was a pretty good question story, too. It was very uh I was impressed with how, oh, cat, how well it cap did, did the questions, kind of philosophical ponderings as he's in action that hmm. Denny O'Neill did so well. Um, I he give really the whole, was a great artist. yeah, I give the whole thing a nine point five. I give it a ten. That like, there's no other score for this for me. I agree. For me, it was a ten for sure. Um, I, you know. I don't laugh out loud alone that often. And Django did Django did uh um not insert he did penetrate the sphere of solitude that I had created for myself. <laughs> um, but with every Django penetration comes a small giggle. 
And I did certainly have a couple giggles while reading it around. I, I, I don't giggle alone that often. And I giggled out loud while reading this multiple times. So it's, it's so damn good, but beauty giggles like that, just like beauty giggles, Django, like that feeling for me, it's like, I, I, I get, I do a little beauty giggle before I do a cry. Like, it's just like, it's just sort of like, (laughs) I can't believe that you're pulling this off right now. Like that Riddler scene, the one page Riddler scene, we're not even like overtly spoiling this stuff, but that Riddler scene is like, I've been watching Grey's Anatomy a lot lately for last year, actually, but it's like a Grey's Anatomy scene. The way that it unplays is so perfect. And I absolutely love it. And it goes back to the, the few panels that we had a couple weeks ago in the Batman Catwoman, right? In, in the, uh, in the Cliff Chang story. Right. Like that's what it made me think of. Like they, I'm putting that scene where she's hanging out with Riddler and being buddies into this canon, whether they like it or not. And it's just, just amazing. And, and I love it. 10.0 easy 10. Uh, Roman, take me to the death of Dr. Strange. You beautiful milkmaid. You. Oh, oh, T. Um, yeah. The death of Dr. Strange number five. It's the last issue of that series. Um, Wraps up the whole uh, Doctor Strange was murdered. They figured out who did it. Um, with who the help, did it? Uh, with, uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Um, Baron Mordo's, like Baron Mordo's version of Wong. He oh. did it. The guy, a guy named Casius or Cassius. I'm not sure how to say his hmm. name. I don't know if he's appeared before this series. Um, turned out he did it. He to gain so he could gain massive mystic powers. He actually mystically grafted Doctor Strange's hands onto himself. They're always after me, mystic, massive yeah. mystic charms. Yeah, and and they solved it by because Doctor Strange had did that great preemptive plan where he had if he got killed, a like Doctor Strange year one or two basically would pop forward as a failsafe to solve his own murder and <laughs> and bring things to justice, which he does. And it's interesting in this final issue that that earlier Dr. Strange, as he explains in it, he says, you know, my future self that was murdered, he was a kinder, nicer person than I am because that early Dr. Strange was still had a lot of elements of the surgeon Dr. Strange who was right. stuck up and all that. But it also worked that this earlier Dr. Strange is able to be very conniving and dark and basically murders <laughs> the guy who murdered his future self with this really cool spell that basically just replaces Calcius Calcius with a resurrected Dr. Strange. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> um, who so then is not dead anymore. The series is maybe, over. maybe, maybe not. Because okay. then there's a final scene with Clea, who, you know, is his wife from the other dimension. Now she's on Earth. And I won't say exactly what happens, but this leads directly into a new Doctor Strange, Source of Supreme series, except it's Clea it's as the Source of Supreme. And it's called Strange. Yeah. So it was all cleverly wrapped up. There was a little too much of like, oh, here's all the Avengers and X-Men fighting all these three mothers and demons and stuff. Classic. And now yeah, that was a little perfunctory, but there is some scary scenes with the the big black scary demon baby thing. Um, I love those characters. 
yeah the neat characters what did yeah, you what did you give the whole bean i gave the whole thing an eight okay i like a doctor strange yarn i like the first yeah. two issues that's all i read though yeah i like doctor strange it was fun to see uh you know like year one or two doctor strange next to like current doctor strange and just it, even their visual the i mean because they're both designed by steve ditko but seeing the two side by side was fun that sort of horcrux storyline is super fun roman do you mind if you and i dip into a little bit of comic book story telling that Django didn't read uh before we get into our buckshot section oh sorry time. our tummy time tummy time our perfect oval tummy time gut shots <laughs> gut shots uh, i just want to talk a little bit about thor 21 with you this is a book that we're both reading we haven't talked about it in a handful of issues uh partially because some big things happened and people who like to try and scoop up comics and uh get them if they're going to be valuable took all of our copies of it and we didn't get any of them so uh, but i made it for a little while now so i made sure to keep one of these and read it and i just think it's always good to check in with some of these series that we don't talk about uh with every issue on this book what are you thinking about thor right now by donnie cates and nick klein Gosh, well, I'm still really liking it. I like that uh, Donnie Cates. I don't know if Donnie Cates did. No, it was Jason Aaron that did the wrap up of uh, Jane Foster's time as Thor, where she yeah. threw me all. Well, first she defeated Mangog, I think. Yep. And then threw me all near into the sun, which is where they got rid of Mangog, too. And I like that Donnie Cates revisited that. and has a little story idea that I wonder if he came up with or Jason Aaron was like, hey, here's an idea. <laughs> I have to think it's Donnie. Like he, you know, <clears throat> I mentioned this last week, but if I could only subscribe to like 10 comic books at a time, you know, two of them would be Hulk and Thor. And both of those are Donnie Cates books. And much like Tom King and Tom Taylor, all three of those in that comic class seem to have this ability to tell stories that feel like they actually are changing or pushing the story forward and referencing that which has come before it. And I think that largely with a medium that kind of takes these amazing characters and gives the illusion of growth, but also simultaneously casts them in amber to like sort of stay eternally who they are. It's amazing to have these creators who can kind of give you the feeling that you're touching something new and forward with these characters and uh, I feel like this one is Donnie Cates does that with Hulk and Thor and Venom or anytime he's writing something. So, you know, there's, yeah, I dug what happens in this issue. I dug this personified Mjolnir, pers you know, person. I love the idea that it was thrown into the sun and cause that happened in the Aaron run. And then it ultimately kind of like formed uh, a, a confluence of existence with the man gog that was also thrown into the sun so now we have like evil mjolnir formed like fused with man gog like that's crazy yeah and yeah fun. that is such big cosmic marvel crazy and and yeah it was really fun i wasn't totally wasn't expecting it and the issue starts off with just mjolnir uh kicking thor's ass yeah. <laughs> and it's really well done it's it's uh there's just some awesome, just so many awesome scenes. There's one There's big a, violet scene that. Let's talk like, oh, about oh, the oh my violent God. <laughs> scene. There's a scene where Thor like goes to punch this lightning entity and they lift up the hammer and Thor's arm just breaks in on itself and fractures on a compound yeah. fracture while punching against Mjolnir. Like just the bones are bursting out of the flesh of its arm. Django, Jingo, so I need you to look at this panel I'm going to show you. Yeah, it's. Uh, oh, yeah. His um, arm is crumpling. Compound God fracture. Yeah. It's, act it's actually a lot like a scene in the Nick Cage movie I just watched. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty uh, 
pretty amazing. And it's pretty and it's really amazing. cool that Thor, you know, Thor's buddies, a couple of his buddies show his dad and you know, show up and save him. <laughs> I gave it an 8.5 room. Sorry, uh yes, 8.5. What did you give it? Uh I gave it a solid eight, though. Nice. I could I could easily go 8.5. It's right in that range. It is just yeah. a definitively good comic. Yeah, yeah, and I like the fact that I, uh, the personified Mjolnir, which is a lightning being, um, somewhere in here, something gave me the impression that it's it's gendered female, which I thought. Well, that's it seems to be. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they even like they yeah they do a sort of little bit of like her being with Jane Foster mm-hmm. was sort of like a fling or like a, an experiment or something. They kind of like reference yeah. that she's a female energy that w- then went and experimented with Jane Foster or something. Which, um, you know, if you air down with the idea, of it, yeah, yeah, that's and it's interesting. I com- thought Mjolnir was his dick, which means he yeah. has a lady dick. It it feels a little. Um, if you know, it feels a little bit like you're insensitive and stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> like it feels like, but I'm not editing it. So you know, yeah. like you're you're the person that decided. Andrew, my, to, my my life is in your hands. I don't know that Let Andrew. I don't Do know I that Andrew goes through and editors editors <laughs> editors um on um, the distinct second like intervals that I did. So that's we'll, we'll have to talk to him. It is interesting <laughs> combining that energy with. Mangog, who is very much a Mangog, m- masculine. Yeah, it's in the name, masculine, destructive energy. Oh yeah. Well, thanks for talking to me about that, buddy. Um, I think it's time for tummy time. Is it tummy time? It's tummy time. Jeff, tummy go. Time, tummy oh, I've got time. sixty seconds to go, and I'm gonna go right now. Yeah, I want to talk a minute and twenty six. No, okay, fine. We'll do long ones. Oh, I've got all sorts of time now. Um, well, I'm going to talk a little bit about Mary Jane and Black Cat Beyond, number one, written by Jed McKay that I read and Roman didn't. It was pretty good. It, <laughs> If you like the idea of a duffel bag consuming somebody, then you mm-hmm. should read it. Do you like the idea mm-hmm. of a duffel bag with teeth eating a person? And two... Very cool ladies. I think that ultimately the the best part about this issue, and I do think that Jed McKay does a good job of exploring it. We mentioned he wrote Timeless not long ago, and he does some pretty cool otherworldly storytelling, but he does some pretty good interpersonal storytelling just between Mary Jane and Black Cat within this, sort of just being the other women in Pete's life. There's a good bit. It's kind of like just sort of exploring Black Cat feeling kind of shitty that she's always been the bad girl in Pete's life and just kind of wants to be taken seriously and be a good person. And she, you know, says that to Mary Jane and Mary Jane has this awesome bit about like, yeah, I was that to Gwen Stacy. At least you're not the other non dead woman in his life. So there's just, I, I really like that. And that I really like a kind of like sisterly bond between those two of just these women that have loved this person who is damaged by being a superhero and the camaraderie associated with that devil's reign was really good. That stays really good. Keep reading that book. Everyone guess what's going on. You can't purple people presidential runs. <laughs> and hulks with innumerable arms i would say that i gave devil's reign an 8.0 and i gave mary jane black cat a 7.0 but based on that description i actually would make both of them a 7.5 devil's reign down half a point jed mckay up half a point the cover of that mary jane and black cat comic it's unfortunate looks like it's just cheesecake garbage it is not the art is much closer to a kind of interesting Marvel house style. 
It is one foot in Marvel's house style and then one foot just barely out of it. Um, it's not super unique or impressive, but it's good and doesn't detract and is not cheesecake at all. It is, it is, um, uh, it's kind of Humberto Ramos-esque. Okay. Um, and you're saying that story-wise, we should trust Jed McKay, not the cover artist. Yeah, I think okay. I think Jed McKay is at a spot. I haven't read that whole Black Cat series. I know Roman has been, but I think Jed McKay is in that category of writer that, you know, if their name is combined with a character I care about, like I'll I'll read it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that I think that he's somebody who's who's got a set of skills I like checking in on. And uh yeah, I would say I would say for the most part, I enjoyed my experience. But right now I'm just eating up time so I can say go, Django, a minute oh, and thirty seconds. Shucky darns. Uh, I read Peacemaker, Disturbing the Peace, number one, by Garth Ennis, Gary Brown, and Lee Lowridge. It's basically just Peacemaker sitting on a bench in a cemetery talking to a psychiatrist about his secret origin, which I don't think that this is the secret origin that was intended when Peacemaker was created, because Garth Ennis doesn't do that. Instead, Garth Ennis puts babies in microwaves and meth heads kidnapping children and... um, just all kinds of crazy there's a shark named bob in here it's wonderful mm-hmm. um super good story super good art the art reminds me a little bit of uh your friend and mine the wonderful artist of soul plumber whose name is totally escaping me right now um but some people call him john mccray mm. um i also read ice cream man number 20 is it number 28 it's about uh, a guy who loves words traveling to the top of a mountain in order to find out the word that started it all and mm-hmm. the people he meets along the way. Uh, he is obsessed, not necessarily a good guy, but not necessarily a bad guy. And we get little tiny snippets of the overarching conspiracy. That's exciting. I, I haven't read it yet, but I have it right here to read. But I it's love like when a we couple get pages. I love when we pages. get just snippets. But I also love the idea of seeking out the first word that started it all. Yeah, it's it's a good issue, Roman. There's giant spiders. You're gonna love it. Oh damn it! <laughs> um, I would give Peacemaker an eight. I would give Ice Cream Man an eight. Both just solid fucking comics, man. Dang, I'm flipping through this book, which I haven't done yet, and it looks good. It has one of the the probably least appealing covers we've ever carried in the store as far as like a sales pitch goes. You're right. Um, but what, also that, di- that dictionary page. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that cover. Oh, I, I love it too. It is a terrible comic book cover. I want to take this it, it, opportunity since we're talking about dicks, just for everyone to know <laughs> that the initial order that I placed today that Django was talking about contained initial pre-orders for Dick Fight Island Volume 2. Oh, Yay. are you guys going to number so two the I dick fight? So I ordered six of those, and we <laughs> will be dick fighting all day long when that comes in. So Roman, mm. you and I are going to find some closure. We're going to climax that story. We're it's finally going to send everyone home. So dream come true. Do you think it's only two? Come true. Do you think it's only two volumes? I think it was at that time. Oh, it's a dick wow. and a fight. Uh, sorry, Jenga, you were doing your wow. scores. 
uh, I gave it an eight for Ice Cream Man, and for Peacemaker, I gave it an eight. Yeah. Can I just point out before before mine starts that uh, no that cover of Ice Cream Man. I think all of all of the definitions of Australian dictionary, except on ent- is it entomology, entomology is the study of insects, right? Uh, yeah, entomology is insects. Etymology is yeah. words. At the end of the entomology definition, it's it's like the last three words are insects and buggies. Yeah, yeah the branch yeah. of zoology that deals with insects and buggies. That's interesting. I didn't make that connection. Cause... Ninety seconds, Roman, go. Oh my God, um, X Men number seven. Finally. We, because I thought I had missed an issue somewhere. This issue finally explains how Cyclops died, and and how they created the Captain Krakoa identity. So you know, I was happy just for that because I thought I missed something. Um, Iron Man number sixteen by Christopher Cantwell, one of our favorite writers. This is still such a great series. Iron Man got the power cosmic fighting Korvac, um, and he still got the power cosmic. So now he's being referred, referred to as Iron God, which of course has all his friends and allies worried because Tony Stark doesn't have a good track record. Um, <laughs> and his He's big plan, nice. his big plan in this is to give everybody around, uh, like it starts in New York, but to give everyone his brains and smart so everyone can solve like all of society's ills. And of course, that's going to go badly. Um, and at the end, Doctor Doom shows up because Christopher Cantwell loves Doctor D- using Doctor Doom, and I'm really excited that he's still going to be writing some Doctor Doom. Uh, I read Devil's Reign Winter Soldier number one, a tie-in where Winter Soldier's conf- breaks into the Kingpin's mansion to steal some files on on himself and other superheroes, and it was pretty cool. It was fun to see Kingpin and Winter Soldier fighting hand to hand. It's got some real unique art in here by. Nico Leone. Oh, Nico! Um, I will give. Where is my scores? Double Rain, Winter Soldier. I gave a seven. Iron Man. I gave a eight point five. And X Men. I gave an eight. Oh, Roman, you're yeah. you're like the electric spirit of a god distilled into a giant fleshy hammer and i love it punch my hammer like a dude hammer or like a chick hammer bro oh right that's a throwback to the scene you wanted to edit it out (laughs) good call if you wanted andrew to edit it out now he's got a more confusing job i'm not i don't care i'm the good one level level three level let's be honest it's probably level six at this point right You got to have a continuity for the beginning, middle, and end as you're going into all of it to do that sort of stuff. <laughs> but you know what? I'm a good boy, so I just don't care. Um, God, what a wonderful time we've had. What a wonderful time exploring the fourth stomach. Hammer, I hardly know her. That's what I keep saying to people that look at me like that when I'm walking down the street. If you need a copy of Batman Catwoman special find us there's a possibility we're gonna have a couple extras coming in um so it's it really is i think one of the finest issues of the last big chunk of time not to not to say that roman's score wasn't 100 accurate but i do think it was a 10 yeah oh yeah Easy 10. I, I agree i agree story-wise i i i mean not to speak ill of people i'm just not a big fan of of john powell leon's artwork i don't it like his faces dead, you mean He's yeah dead I, I don't now. i don't i don't like his faces 
You got to give him two points for being dead, Roman. I like. No, I don't. <laughs> I like. Yeah, his, you do. That's how it works I mean, when you're I mean, dead. I, like, I, lo- I really appreciate his use of chiaroscuro. You know, that was cool. There's a certain panel where looking down at a at young Selena Kyle hanging off a fire escape. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. But I still don't like his faces. <sighs> what so do you think good, of Michael Wark's faces? Yeah. Who? Michael Wark. Electropolis, uh, Gotham, Gotham City Central, Central, Captain America for a while. Yep. Mm-hmm. I th- I think I'm okay with them, but it might be confusing with Daredevil. Michael Perkins' faces. Very different, Michael. That's Perkins. the person who founded the restaurant Perkins, which is a, a, a sorry excuse for a Denny's. Denny's is where you want to go for a green themed hexagonal diner. Sherry's is fine. Perkins is the bottom of the three. Listen, the three of us have spent a lot of time together in this. Near last... the crackle, near the bottom of the cracker barrel, if you will. The Ooh. cracker barrel is the bottom of it, but their cheese and crackers combos are one fantastic bit of evening fare. Listen, we gotta go home. We gotta go home. The three of us have <laughs> been hanging out in this barrel for too long, sharing crackers. <laughs> and I think that your audio is bleeding into my audio because it was a lot to put three people and three microphones in a barrel. If you want to get a hold of us, we'd love for you to. We used to have a phone number. We don't anymore. But the best thing that you can do is send us an email at jeff at thecomicsplace.com. If you've been spelling it G-E-O-F-F, you've been doing it wrong. It's J-E-F-F at thecomicsplace.com. And that email, that email. One more time. Yeah. Could be a voicemail. Just record it and send it. Please do. Well, you've heard it happen. Anyone can do it. Season two, season three. Could be a voicemail. Uh, you know, we've been doing season two for a while. Season five or season two, episode five has been really good. I think that we're probably nearing the season finale, I would think. I'm sure I'm sure it's it's just around the corner. Uh, we're going to have to do some numerology, some averaging and some, um, you know, researching into ancient tombs to find out what the I know you thought I was going to say tomes. I said tombs and I meant tombs. He did. We're going to find out what Isis thinks we should uh, end, end this episode, this this series, season, season series of Romans. Ro- Romans, Romans, Ro- fifth stomach expressions, sanctimonium. <laughs> Join us next week to see if we are, in fact, going to be ending season two or if it's the penultimate episode. Or did you just listen to the penultimate episode? And what will season three be? You can only have a movie if you've had six episodes. I'm going to do Django's digressions. Django's digressions. Django's digressions. It's all stomach themed from here on out. (laughs) Um, Thanks for listening. This was episode five of Romans Rumens. The the kidney stone of comic (laughs) development. The kidney stone of comic conversation. Comics conversations, kidney stone, Romans, Romans, on the way out of the fourth tummy, headed out the urethra. Man, and on the way out of the urethra, thing. help us pass this thing. Uh, give us a wave as you're crying in pain, noticing the blood in your stool. It's not stool, it's seed. What is it when it's pee? It's just... Oh, God. And you're, Hope you're doing well, Mom. Um, <laughs> we'll see everybody next week for episode six, where mysteries will take advantage of your scalp. Six. Jeff at thecomicsplace.com. Send us an email. Send us your thoughts. Did you like being the fourth stomach? We want to know. We need to know. We have to know before we find our direction for the third season. I, as always, am Jeff. I am Roman. I'm Django. That's it, Django. Good job, bud. We were wondering. I know that you guys were the other day. 
I was. <sighs> What's up, bud? I where, love where asparagus. Root? I just want to say I fucking love asparagus, and I eat it every day, even though it tastes like piss. Every day? Wow. I don't think you eat it every day. We share sandwiches a lot of days. Let's ruminate on this. All right, we'll talk about it next week. Asparagus, what's it do for you? See you there.